0: Greetings and blessings. Welcome to Divine Feminine Rising with Mezdeline. I'm Mezdaline, a mystic, author, Reiki master, divinely feminine belly dancer, and now podcaster. Raising divine feminine awareness is my passionate purpose in this lifetime. Guiding people towards empowerment and personal transformation is my joy. My intention with this podcast is to entertain, educate, and illuminate as I share the power and magic of the Divine Feminine. Thank you so much for being here. I'm grateful for your time and attention. In my first podcast, I decided to share my own journey to the Divine Feminine. I'm so excited to be here today recording my very first podcast. I've never done anything like this before but my guidance has been strong to start sharing my words of love and empowerment. My greatest desire has always been to help people heal and connect to their own divine essence and find their bliss. It didn't take me long to realize that my work is with women. I came to that realization in an interesting way and thought that in this first episode, I'd share the story of my own spiritual journey. During my childhood, boys were considered important and girls weren't. I was the oldest of four girls, and my dad was not happy about that at all. In fact, when my mother was pregnant for the fourth time, he told her that she was not allowed to come up with any girls' names because this one was going to be a boy for sure. So when my third little sister was born, there was no name for her. On the way to the hospital to visit my mother and my new sibling, my dad told me and my other two sisters that we had to name our new little sister. He made it very clear he was not happy that he had another daughter. I always thought that if only I was a boy, things would be better. Life would be better. I also was a victim of a lot of childhood abuse, and those details aren't important, but I always thought that they wouldn't be happening if I were a boy. So then there was Sunday school and the crazy messages that I received at Sunday school. So my grandmother was an Episcopalian. That was my mother's mother. My grandma was a holy roller preacher. That was my dad's mother. So when we visited the family, if it was a Sunday and we were at my grandmother's house, we went to the Episcopalian church. And if it was a Sunday and we were at my grandma's house, we went to the Holy Roller church. Now, the difference between these two churches was extreme. So in the Episcopal church, we kneeled, we stood, we sang solemn hymns, And we sat, we sat, we had our hands in our lap and we were really quiet. In fact, everybody was quiet except for the priest. He was the one that was talking. And then when it was time to sing, we all sang together. But in my grandma's church, there was no such thing as quiet. There was a lot of people while the preacher was preaching, people would be yelling hallelujah, praise Jesus, and various other things, and it was a very rowdy experience, and the singing was really upbeat and just completely different. There was no kneeling and praying in that church. There was rolling on the floor, however, if people got ecstatic, and there was speaking in tongue, which I never did really figure out what was going on so to me church was just not my place i found my spiritual connection in nature so i would go out in nature as much as i could even as a young kid right during puberty my family moved to the san carlos apache reservation And there I got to witness all different missionaries telling the Apaches that their way was the only way, whether they were Mormon, Lutheran, Catholic, Pentecostal, or what the Christian expression of their religion was. They all told the Native Americans that their way was the only way. And as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking, well, if their way is the only way, how do you choose which way to go, right? It didn't make sense to me. In fact, I forgot to mention that I got kicked out of Sunday school when I was six years old for asking questions because what they were telling me absolutely did not make sense. And so I'd ask questions because I was a curious child. I'm still very curious. And so the question that ended my Sunday school career was they were telling us that when we died, we'd go to heaven. And then, like, if if our mom died or our grandma died, somebody in the family died and went to heaven, then when we died and went to heaven, we'd be back together with our family. So I asked the question about, um, Susie, my little friend, I said, so Susie gets to have two moms when she gets to heaven? And the teacher was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, Susie's mom died and went to heaven, and now she has another mom. And so when she goes to heaven, she gets to have two moms, right? Well, apparently that wasn't right in some way or another. It made sense in my head. I mean, that's what they were telling me, but I, my mom was asked, to find something else for me to do during the church service. So onward, back to the reservation, the missionaries were telling um, the Native Americans that their way was the only way. And the worst thing I heard was the Mormon missionaries telling them that because they were brown, they had the mark of Cain, and that the only way they could possibly go to heaven was if they were a good Mormon their whole life, and then when they died, if enough people prayed for them, they would possibly be able to turn white and then be able to earn their way into heaven. And I heard this with my own ears, so um, it wasn't secondhand or thirdhand. Full disclosure, this was a few decades ago. Since then, the Mormon Church has had an epiphany Letting them know that it was okay to have brown people in their church now. So, anyway, while I lived on the reservation, I was also always going into nature because that's where I felt connected to what I call Great Spirit or the Source. So, one day I was riding my horse on what we called the Big Mesa, it was a huge, tall mesa and it went for miles flat on top, and I was riding my horse, and this light, this pure white light just came down and surrounded me. It's the only time anything like that's ever happened to me, and it was such a blessing, a pure white light. I was just surrounded by it, and it I knew that it was spirit. It was total unconditional love surrounding me. And it was beautiful. It was special. It was magical. It was mystical. And it's something that I never forgot. So that happened. And then I also became part of the Apache community. And that feeling of being part of something greater and knowing that what you do affects others, instead of how in our culture... Um, we tend to be separate from other people. That was something that I carried with me forward into the future. Another thing that I learned is that the Apaches were matrilineal, and that their ancestry was traced through the mother, not the father. And that when girls reached puberty and started their period, they would have a huge coming out ceremony for them, and. It was a celebration of womanhood. It was a four-day ceremony that lasted day and night. And during this time, the female ancestral knowledge and power was passed to this young woman. And there was many ceremonies within the, the large ceremony. There was ritual, and it was very involved and Amazing. And the community was invited to come at certain times during this ritualistic ceremony. And there was dancing and drumming, and it was just an amazing thing to be part of. So the ancestry being traced through the mother made complete sense to me. In the Bible, it talks about how. You know, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and so forth. But in reality, everyone knows who their mother is. But do we always know who our fathers are? How many rapes and oopsies have happened over generations of time that have been kept a secret? For example, I had a friend who had a rare genetic disease that was passed from the grandfather to the daughter and from the daughter to the son. It was the only way that it could happen, was to be passed from the the grandfather to daughter to son. So, and it wasn't a good disease, but it was very rare, and it was being studied by the Mayo Clinic, and my friend went back to the Mayo Clinic And found out that his grandmother had an oops, that his grandfather that he thought was his grandfather was not his biological grandfather because he did not carry this disease. He didn't have he didn't have this disease. So that's just one example of how um, we know who our mother is, but we don't always know who our father is or who our grandfather is, right? So matrilineal ancestry makes sense. I was really blessed with my life on the reservation, I felt like anyway. And when I graduated from high school, I went to college, and on my 18th birthday, I got married. My husband and I moved to Oregon. We bought some property. And at a low very low moment in my life, belly dancing appeared. My neighbor actually walked up our long driveway with her goat. Don't ask me why she was walking her goat. I have no memory of that. And she asked me to go to belly dance class. And I did. Now, belly dancing is a full body workout. Yoga teachers have told me that it works out the spine even better than yoga because we use every part of our bodies from our heads to our toes. And the first thing I remember happening as I fell in love with belly dance, which by the way, when I went to my first class, it felt like I was coming home, the music and the movements just felt, felt like they were something I already knew. So anyway, the first thing I noticed was how my muscles started to get really strong, especially my thighs and my core, developing my core muscles. There's nothing better to develop your core than belly dance. In fact, I later had a student who had breast cancer and she had a mastectomy and her surgeon asked her what she did because she had the most highly developed intercostal muscles of anyone he'd ever seen. And for those of you who don't know, those are the muscles between your ribs. So belly dancing definitely strengthens your core, your belly, your back muscles. And it's also the most powerful healing method I've ever experienced physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I'm also a Reiki master and a shaman, but belly dance is where I found the divine feminine and personal empowerment. So as my muscles developed, I became strong and fit. The community of belly dance brought me lifelong friendships and support. And I overcame extreme shyness. I forced myself to get on the stage and begin to perform because I hated being fearful and shy. So I overcame that and I soon began teaching And I got to watch my students transform right in front of my eyes. Some of them reminded me of me when I came to the dance. They would come to the first class with their shoulders slumped, their eyes to the ground, and standing in the back of the class trying to be invisible, just like I did. And over time, I watched them blossom as their posture straightened, and they began to hold their heads high and join in conversations I watched their confidence and self-esteem increase, and I've been blessed to watch students gain the strength and support to leave abusive relationships, to get better jobs, to get raises, to live their dreams. The dance has also been an adventure for me as I traveled and taught around the United States and Canada. I also traveled and danced my way through Egypt one year, and that was magical to say the least. And that brings me to the spiritual healing I received through the dance. Early in my dance experience, I felt my heart chakra burst open, and to be honest, it scared the heck out of me. At the time, I didn't know what a chakra was, but over, as time progressed, I understood what had happened. When it happened, it felt huge, and I knew it was important. It wasn't long before I started researching the history of belly dance. And this is what I've come to know. Belly dance is the world's oldest dance. It dates back to the time of mother goddess worship. And by that, I mean back to the time when women were worshipped. And it doesn't mean that belly dancers worship the mother goddess. It means that the dance is that Ancient. Thousands and thousands of years ago it's is when it started. As we all know, time travel isn't a thing yet, so we can only go by archaeological evidence. The Neolithic period, also called the New Stone Age, dates back over ten thousand years. Hundreds of artifacts have been recovered from that period and all but a small handful are depictions of women. The Venus of Willendorf is perhaps the most famous, a small statue depicting a full-breasted, large belly and hips woman. During the same period, only a few artifacts were found that represent the male form. So, it can be reasoned that women were worshipped most likely for their childbearing ability. Remember, this was a time before science, so it wouldn't be surprising that the contribution of men to procreation wasn't understood. Stone Age tribes simply saw women as the ones who created new humans. They grew them inside of their bodies and brought them out into the world and then fed them from their own bodies. As time moved on, there was a balance of worship which took into account both the male and female aspects of divinity. Now, this was over 2,000 years ago, and the world was filled with the belief of gods and goddesses. You can see that in mythologies of many cultures. I personally became obsessed when I was younger with um, Greek and Roman mythology, and even took Latin, of all things, for my foreign language when I was in high school. Anyway, fast forward to the Abrahamic religions, and the Western world shifted into patriarchy. The divine masculine became the focus, and the feminine aspect of divinity was pretty much ignored. The world has become out of balance as men dominate and women are mostly considered second-class citizens. For me, the dance became a spiritual experience of the divine feminine. When I perform, I can feel the unconditional love of the goddess channel through me into my heart and out through my hands into the audience. I've had many comments after I dance about seeing light coming from my hands, about feeling love filling the room and it's just been an amazing spiritual experience for me i belong to this beautiful community of belly dancers a sisterhood of love and support that extends internationally i know that unfortunately not everyone has experienced this but i also know that giving really does equal receiving and that when i give love I receive it back tenfold. Sometimes it feels like a thousandfold. My belly dance community has extended into a greater spiritual community of women. And it's just been such a blessed journey for me. One thing that I'm very aware of is that as I belly dance, the movements of my body are the same movements that were done by women many thousands of years ago. They're the same movements that women are today, in the present time, doing all over the world. And they're the same movements that women will be doing thousands of years into the future. I feel like I'm in a time-space continuum of women past, present, and future, and I can't think of anything more spiritually powerful My mission in this lifetime is to help bring back the balance of the Divine Feminine and Masculine, and I do this through teaching, writing, holding women's spiritual circles and retreats, and now this podcast. I want to thank you for joining me today. Please share this podcast or this episode with anyone interested in the Divine Feminine. And personal empowerment. This podcast is a labor of love for me, and if you'd like to connect with me further, please reach out. You can find me at com, Divine Feminine Rising with dot com, mezdalene or Mesdeline's Musings on Facebook, and Mesdeline on TikTok and Instagram. Please also If you feel so guided, join my email list to receive my newsletter. Allow the light of your love to shine. Be the change. Lead the way. And remember your light of love is a needed gift to the world that only you can give. Thank you for listening, and may you find your bliss.